<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I must have a hundred of those things someplace, but I'm not allowed. I can't wear them. I mean, you can't walk down the street wearing That's a true. shirt with your own name yeah. on it. It's your kinda, own shirt. <laughs> no, yeah, no, not yeah. at all. So it's I, like, it's I have a I have a T-shirt that says uh, I'll wear it next week. Gene Galvin for Claremont County Commissioner. Oh, you've got to wear it. It's from 1983, and I wear it all the time. Yeah, and I found it so that it was you know it's not I had didn't start wearing it in '83. I started wearing it a few years ago because I discovered and I wear it all the time. I walk down the street, Gene Gallon. (laughs) We got you, Gene. I love for you. You're a man of welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery. Yeah, but at least they know my language is clean. They got it. We just, yeah. we just what we up. could have talked about. Yeah. If we would have known that, Jerry, we could have gotten you to talk in a completely different accent. And then people would have thought that, like, you turn on the Jerry Springer when, you know, you're in front. Oh, I might as well tell people right <laughs> away. That's how it, yeah. Are we done? Are we done? Are we done? Hello. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's Casey Campbell. And then there's Maria Corelli. And, of course, that's Jerry Springer. I'm Gene Galvin, Jerry Springer hey, Podcast. Man. Uh, and hey, and don't forget Casey. I got him. I no, just, you didn't. I named him. We're losing. Hey, I'm getting old. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, yeah. gonna be a good one. It's yeah. gonna be a good one. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yeah. Turn up your hearing aids, Jerry. Hey, uh, hey, listen. This week, yesterday. Now we're it's it's June, uh, July fourteenth is the day we're recording this. This will probably roll out tomorrow on the 15th of July. But yesterday on the 13th, uh, Mr. Snyder from the Washington Redskins announced, well, they put out a statement saying that they are retiring the Redskin name. They have not yet said what it's going to be. And by the way, it's interesting piece of news that some guy in Virginia (laughs) smartly strategically bought up, got a lawyer and got a bunch of trademarks on all the names that were being floated to replace Redskins. So <laughs> Snyder's gonna have to pay up the butt to get a new to get a new nickname. But uh and we're gonna hear from Jerry shortly to give us his thought for the week. He's been doing these amazing uh commentaries uh from his bunker which is down in florida COVID 19 is still in fact in florida where jerry is it's mm-hmm. literally raging oh they're number one they are so and they don't want to be but they are number one <laughs> anyway um so the washington redskins are switching their sports mascot and that made me think uh of something actually not think i would participated in the last couple weeks I grew up on the east side of Cincinnati and uh, my neighborhood uh, where I grew up. And later, years later, my kids and my family and my wife and I moved back and my kids went to school in this township. And it's called Anderson Township. And uh, I, in high school, went to the Catholic high school nearby. But my brother Jim, 
did graduate from Anderson High School, so I was well familiar with this school. And they had a sports mascot nickname, if you will, called the Redskins. I then, after college, went into the VISTA program. It's like the Peace Corps, except it's in the United States. And my service was on a Native American reservation in northern Minnesota, just up close to the Canadian border near International Falls. And on this reservation, I wasn't there long, and I started asking Native Americans who were the people I was serving, and obviously many of them became my friends as a kind of a Peace Corps volunteer. And I'd sit around, and and I pretty quickly got to this question. Uh, Hey, I'm from this township back in Cincinnati called Anderson Township. We have the school, Anderson, and the sports name is Redskins. And they all went, you can't do that, Gene. You can't do that. And I say, well, talk to me about it. And they say, well, that's like a racist term. That's like using the M word. And I said, well, I, I thought that it was, but I really wanted to use this time to find out from you, to get it straight from the culture itself, what you think of this. But then, now this is important, this next step. I said, well, I know of schools, now remember, this is 1966, long time ago. I said, I know schools nearby, and I'll name two, a little town uh, called Norwood, adjacent to the city of Cincinnati. It's a much smaller city. And their high school is the Norwood Indians. And I know of another suburban neighborhood that's pretty close to Anderson Township called Marimont, and they are the Marimont Warriors. That was me. I went. Okay. So Maria is a graduate of that Marimont High School. So I said, so what do you think of those names? Because all these people say they do it to honor you. Now, I want to tell you guys something. I'm sitting on a Native American reservation in 1966, and it was poor. I think the word squalor is fair. It was extremely poor. So I didn't see anybody honoring anybody. I saw people having really hard times, and I knew from my training six weeks long trained by Native American leaders from across the country, that that's just the way it was, whether it was Navajo country, Apache, or the Seminoles, pick a tribe. So they said, that's not cool either, to use braves, chiefs, warriors, Indians. And I said, well, arm me with arguments for that. And they said, well, we, we, have to then deal with our children, some of whom are sitting right over there or in somebody's home and kids are over there playing, who then go to school in the town at the end of this 10-mile dirt road. This is in Minnesota, northern Minnesota. And then when they get into a fight and my kid comes home, he says, well, dad, I'm a warrior. I'm a brave. This is how I'm supposed to be. And the parents who are just like me as a parent say, I don't want you fighting in school. I want you to do well in school and to succeed and do better than I did and get a job. So they said to me, none of those names are anything other than stereotypes. And when Eugene tell me that your people think you're honoring us, thank you, but no thank you. 
we'll take care of ourselves. We will figure out our own ways to grow our culture and honor our culture. Thank you, but, but out. So Anderson High School, my neighborhood school from where I grew up, and in 1999, I was a resident there. My kids went to school there. They went to the Companion High School. And a group of Native Americans in 1999 came to my school district. That's where I lived as a taxpayer. And they also came to the school where I worked, coincidentally, an inner city high school in the Cincinnati public schools called Hughes High School. The same group that was the American Indian Movement. And they came in, they were from around the country and the region, and they came in and they said, please change your mascots. Please drop what you're using. Anderson High School used Redskins, like the Washington Redskins, and Hughes used one called Big Red. But when you went into the gym mm -hmm. or if you went to a football game on their jerseys, they had a Native American head, figurehead, they had it in the gym on the wall. Now, check this out. This is interesting. It took Hughes High School, an inner city high school in Cincinnati, mostly African-American, two weeks to drop it. <laughs> two weeks. They talked about it. I mean, I was part of it because I was the head of a school within a school. And my boss organized some people, and it took two weeks to drop it. And they, by the way, smartly kept Big Red but stripped out everything Native American, and to this day, there's nothing associated with Native Americans. So they made it like Cincinnati Reds. And they were able to do that because it was Big Red. But trust me, in 1999, and for years before that, it was Big Red, the Native American figurehead. We went to an Anderson Township where I was a taxpayer. I joined these American Indian Movement people, and we went to the school board, and we had four or five months of meetings in. They had to move them to the auditorium at Anderson High School. They had 500 people there. They, they, all the media was there. It was getting some national attention. And my side got our asses kicked royally. On a 5-0 to vote, they yeah. shut us down and they kept it. Now, fast forward, and I'll do this real fast. Several years later, 2003, it came up again, 5-0 vote, get out of here, we're not doing it. 2018, it came up again, like two years ago, in Anderson, at Anderson High School. They said no again, and two weeks ago, because of George Floyd. Now this, God bless George Floyd, you know, a horrible tragedy, but his life is mattering. Black Lives Matter. Because of him, because of that situation, and other uh, pushes for 21 years on a four-to-one vote, they voted to drop, to retire that, and now they're coming up with a new name. So I want to close by saying I compliment the hell out of this. It's a conservative school district. but And now, by the way, there's an African-American woman on the school board. And, and a professor from my university, Xavier University, where I had two degrees and taught there as an adjunct professor. Those two people picked up two more votes on a four to one vote. They decided to retire after, among a lot of things, but including a letter from past school board members who were there in 99 telling me to get the hell out of town. 
who voted against my side. And those board members wrote a letter, sent it to this board saying, we were wrong. You need to change this. We should have, we didn't, we didn't have the guts yeah. and change it. And they, on a four to one vote. Now, last thing I want to say, at the 1999, I said to the school board in one of my many speeches to them, you'll argue and you are arguing, well, we can't change it because we can't afford to. And it is true that school districts never have any extra money. Not ever. They're not sitting around with 50 grand or half a mil to make a branding change in a school. They aren't. All the money goes to staffing and buses and curriculum and materials and facilities. So they would always say among their arguments, well, we can't change it because we don't have the money. And they kept saying that. And I kept saying, we'll raise the money. I didn't win that argument. They didn't say, oh, okay, you can solve that. Now let's change it. Yeah. So now that they've changed it, they have, and there were a lot of people suggesting this, count me among them, do a GoFundMe page. They have a GoFundMe hmm. page. They set a goal of 50 grand. I donated, the people are donating, you know, the highest level I've seen are a couple 500s, but you know, a bunch of 100s and some 10s and some 20s and 25s. And I said then and I say now, the conservatives are gonna leave the battlefield. They're off the field. Sorry, but it is up to us, us progressives, us liberals. We clamored for the change. I think we have, I'm the preaching here, an obligation in my township. I'm not, I don't live there anymore, but I'm, I donated. So I put on our, I took the liberty of putting on the Jerry Springer podcast website, jerryspringer.com, a link to that GoFundMe page. And I appeal to any listener, go on there Perfect. and chip in a few bucks. I use Google Pay to do it. There's all kinds of easy ways to do it. And toss in a few bucks here and there. Here's where they are. They're at, they're about a week and a half in. They have a $50,000 goal. They're at 45 grand right now, but it's now, wow. it's now dried up. I've been watching it every day. So they got oh, really? a couple donations today, a couple yesterday. So it's not flowing like yeah. it did in the first week. So that's why I'm putting the bat call out. You know, please people jump in and yeah. give them a little help. Because we got to step up. We're the big mouth progressives. It said, stop yeah. it. And they did it for moral reasons, not yep. like Snyder did in Washington Redskins. He did it because FedEx stood on his neck and said, yeah. you know, we're going to screw exactly. you. Yeah. That never came up in Anderson Township. They did it for, God bless them, for moral reasons. Those conservatives, mm -hmm. after 21 years, became enlightened. And I congratulate them for that. I'm not gloating. I'm mm. not in their face. I congratulate them mm. for making a step. I wonder okay. if uh, Marymont has changed the Warriors. So oh, they haven't. It wasn't, no, it I was know Indian. they haven't. It That's was, crazy. It still and, is. And yeah. yeah, you know what? I remember that actually being an issue when I was all throughout grade school. Really? Through, um, High school, yeah. I remember people talking about it, and I, I remember thinking, like, yeah, that's kind of rude of us. <laughs> Why do we have that as our mascot? Yeah, because yeah. the answer, first of all, and Gene, I've told you this many times, Gene was the first human being I knew, no, mm. 
to have taken this issue on, as he said, 25 years ago. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. You were really ahead of your time. Hmm. And the point that I think needs to be made, it because we always get the answer when we fight this cause, the answer always comes back, well, we don't mean any harm like that. We mean it this way. We mean it that way. That's an irrelevant question, how you mean it. Mm. If someone, if people are being hurt by what you're saying, even if your intentions were the best, yeah. change the name. Change the name. You're not the one being hurt. All That's the only issue out there. How difficult is it to call your team something else compared to being part of a group that feels repressed, that feels discriminated against? I mean, Native Americans, that was our original sin. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable yeah. what we did to them. So what an, it's almost embarrassing. It's such an easy thing to do. And I almost think uh, for many uh, for many white people, it's 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 almost a pass, a free pass to do something and really not have it hurt, you know, mm-hmm. not not be more substantive than that. But clearly there is no conceivable argument for not changing a name if the name hurts someone. Yep, agreed. End of discussion. And I don't care what you meant, that we're going to be, you know, fighters and struggle and all that. Who cares? Yeah. These people are hurt. And as you've talked about a lot before, Jerry, you know, that's progressivism will win in in the end. And, you know, in this in this instance, it took it's taken years. It's taken 25 years of people like Gene talking about it and doing something. But, you know, progressivism does 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 win. You're right. It always does, which is why the name of our company that owns, you know, is liberals always win, because in the end the world history has shown in the end we do win yeah. it takes time yeah the whole concept of the name conservative is to conserve what we now have yeah. conserve our power so don't change anything yep. every move to change threatens someone who is in power because it hasn't changed hmm. so that's why we always have in the beginning you're always fighting conservatives yep. but in the end they become mainstream and one of the major reasons they become mainstream is because they have kids and every generation is more liberal. So a lot of these conservatives, Gene, I bet, I don't know them personally, uh, as you might, but I, I bet you that they're now parents and grandparents and their kids have grown up and said, Mom, Dad, Grandpa, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they embarrass them. Yeah. And so the kids, I remember that was when Barack Obama got elected. A lot of people said, you know what? My kids said, I should vote for Barack Obama. I never voted Democrat before, but it was important. So that happens. I think the influence of young people, which always will be more progressive than their parents, that's the way to go. Yeah. But great job, Gene. I mean, well, that that, uh, was, that was pure conscience. Uh, I, I appreciate it and bring it up for that. I, I take uh, your kind words. I appreciate them. Uh, it, it is why I said that when I sat on the floor of that home on that reservation, when I shifted to those other names that are not so blatantly racist, which Redskins is, it's so, you look the definition up, you don't have to do any more than that. But that's why I say, Jerry, to your point, 
of what well, we mean it well, we mean it well, we're trying to revere you, we're trying to revere your courage. And they would say to me, and it's not the only time I heard that from Native Americans, thank you, but no thank you, but out of our culture, mm-hmm. but out of our culture, use somebody else's culture if you want to, but we don't need and by your the help. Way, yeah. And by the way, that's, it's not even the truth. Because think about, and only Gene and I can talk to this because of our age. Remember when we were kids and we played cowboys and Indians? The Indian was either the bad guy or he was Tonto. Yeah. I mean, this, we're not, we're not saying because when we grow up, we want to be like the Indians. No, Indians were called savages. Indians were the the people that Hopalong Cassidy and Roy Rogers and we were shooting the Indians. And then Matt Dillon was going, I mean, who are we kidding? Well, I can tell you in my uh, conversations, uh, that came up time and time again. They would say to me, again, it was 1966, you remember the cowboy and Indian movies, Gene? I said, my God, I grew up on them. And they said, that has been so harmful to our culture because of the stereotypes. And that's the point. And that's why, and and Maria, I can tell you from experience, the way if Warriors needs to change at a Maramont High School, just to use it as an example, it will only change. I can, I can tell you the case history is Anderson High School. It will, only ch- it will change when some people who are alums, current parents, current students, uh, moral staff members, businesses in the community of Maramont, when they start to have critical mass of opinion, it mm-hmm. will come back here 10 years from now, it'll still be there because well, nobody talks about it. It's got to become a conversation that grows and then it will change. And I know I've been on a soapbox, but one last thing. This is a moment in freaking history. Right now, this is a special time. This is not just another year. Yes, we have COVID-19, but because of the sensitivity that America developed in the last two months, now represented by a poll I saw, it might have been Gallup, where 60 plus percent of Americans say, we have a racial problem in America. That's never, I've never seen that number before in America. This is a special moment in history. So if people in Maramont, for example, our listeners know of lots of schools that use Native American nicknames. This is the moment to bring them up. It doesn't mean you'll win it this year. But if you let this moment, it's like a flat spot on a wheel. It's going to be a long time before that flat spot comes around again, where you have the window opens up to get some social change done. Anyway. Oh, good subject. Good subject, Gene. You've given me... You've given me a subject for next week. Oh. Don't forget to listen, folks. I'll have a podcast. <laughs> All right. That's right. Yeah. Same Springer time, same Springer channel. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, last reminder, go to jerryspringer.com and you'll see a link there for re, re, you know rebranding Anderson High School. Throw five bucks to them or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Jerry, um, w- you've been doing these wonderful uh, thoughts of the week and uh, I know I'll... And, and, Listeners, you should know, I don't talk to Jerry before and say, what are you going to do? I want to know. I, I, I learn when you learn. So I'm always personally curious. Uh, what have you been thinking about this week? 
So in other words, you haven't been doing your job as executive <laughs> producer. I know it. Is that, is that what I, I just thought they're saying? Okay. No, I launched All I right. launched the uh, Listener of the Week pro, a month program. So I obviously do my yeah, job. By the way, just one before I just start reading this, what exactly, how many did we get? Did we get any other? Jerry, uh, you, applicants? I do not. It'll give you blurry vision if I start telling you how many <laughs> entries we have. It's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah overwhelming yes i can turn <laughs> yes. my ipad around and show you stacks of paper because i print them uh, all up i got them all printed up casey yeah i'll stack up yeah bigly yeah. numbers yeah. Bigly. Yeah, that bigly. looks like an old that looks like an old yellow pages to me <laughs> <laughs> what are you showing yeah. Yeah. people don't even remember what that is yeah. okay <laughs> so here's my comments for today yeah. um there's so many trouble aspects to this story you don't know where to start our National Intelligence Network discovered evidence, indeed shocking evidence, that Russia has been paying the Taliban a bounty of as much as $100,000 for every American soldier they kill in Afghanistan, the evidence of which is corroborated by seized bank records. Russia and Putin undermining our democracy by sabotaging our elections and maneuvering Trump into the presidency is already known and suggests a return to the Cold War era. But actually, paying a bounty for the killing of American soldiers is surely a step beyond. When this bombshell first hit the news with the New York Times headline a few weeks ago, even some Republicans seemed outraged. The president was immediately asked by supporters, or by reporters, I should say, since this was known as early as the end of last year and beginning of this, what were we doing about it? How would we respond to Russia? What steps militarily, economically, and diplomatically was he, Trump, taking? His answer was perhaps the most unsettling thing he's ever said during his presidency, and that's going some. When asked what he was going to do about this Russian killing of American soldiers, he said he was never told about it. He didn't know it was going on. Think about it. This is, there is no good explanation for this answer. Either he's lying, which is his normal behavior, or he was given the information and didn't read it, which is the height of dereliction of duty, or his staff or the intelligence community and military higher-ups chose not to tell him because they don't trust him to keep from Putin the substance of the findings, including the means of finding out. In other words, America's security cannot be trusted in Trump's hands, either because of his incompetence or the scariest of all possibilities, he's compromised by Russia. He tells Putin everything because Putin has something on him. But let's go back to Trump's first response. Whether it's the truth or not, it is always his first response when he's caught in a scandal. I hardly knew the person. I wasn't there. No one told me. And we have seen over the past three and a half years that is virtually always a lie. It's his go-to defense. But either way, his I didn't know doesn't mean he wasn't told. In fact, as we now know, he was informed. Starting with Harry Truman being told that we had developed an atomic bomb that could be used to end the war with Japan, every president since Truman, 
is handed every morning what is called the PDB, the President's Daily Briefing, a compilation put together by all of our intelligence agencies of all the news and information gathered the night before around the world regarding national security that a president needs to see to make possible decisions. Because Trump has a child's attention span and a limited understanding of the world and its issues, he doesn't read it all, if at all. It's the first thing on a president's calendar every morning, but he just ignores the written word. In fact, he proudly claims he doesn't even read books. And consistent with his aversion to reading, he didn't read his PDB on February the 27th, when he was informed in that report that the Russians were paying a bounty for killing American soldiers. If protecting Russia from the consequence of killing American soldiers isn't treasonous, then in all fairness, what is? Since this event, Trump has done the following things for Putin. He's talked to him six or seven times on official calls. He's pushed our allies into allowing Russia to rejoin the G7 so as to benefit economically and strategically. And he's announced that he's pulling a major portion of our troops from Germany, giving Putin a free run into Western Europe if he so chooses. Why in the world did the people around Trump, knowing what they did by February the 27th, why did they not insist that Trump bring up with Putin this issue of the killing of American soldiers in his phone calls? And then why did he, in spite of this information, push our allies to invite Russia back into the G7? Why did he agree to pull our troops out of Germany? And now that Trump can no longer profess that he doesn't know what Russia's doing, what are we doing in response now? Are we instituting massive sanctions hitting Russian oligarchs where it hurts? Are we freezing their accounts over here? What are we doing to protect our own soldiers and punish those who put a, a bounty on their heads? The idea of Trump talking about patriotism and his love and respect for the military is a sinister, bold-faced lie at best. He said when Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the playing of the national anthem that that was disrespecting our soldiers and military. And yet, it is Trump who is turning his back on our soldiers, ignoring the reality of Russia's bounty on their heads, not lifting a finger in defense of our young men and women, defending our country, an act of courage Trump studiously avoided five times for his alleged bone spurs. Our troops serve now knowing that there's a bounty on their heads and where Russia's concerned, Trump will do nothing. In this White House, heads should roll. And come November at the ballot box, it should be Trump's. Yeah. Man, oh man. Good, Jerry. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Whew. We're too serious. Let's have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's heavy. 
Heavy stuff. All right. Well, folks, um, tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Maria. My right phone ahead. is about to die. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I took my headphones out. Hopefully everything's okay. okay. So. Well, let me just volunteer. Mickey and I have just bought plots uh, when we pass away. So if your phone dies, there's room. There's room. Oh. <laughs> you can have a little headstone, That's... Maria's phone. A <laughs> And then I put the... It. And then put the dates. <laughs> well, folks, on that zinger, let's uh, move right on into let's move right on into music here tonight with Maria Corelli as our guest. Hey, Maria, how are you Hi. over there in Ludlow, Kentucky? Are you still living I in Ludlow? Did. I am. Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Just you know, holding, hanging in there. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Holding down the fort, as yeah. they say. Um, well, we're going to have Maria play a song here for us in a minute, but I was just thinking about things earlier and uh, I was thinking about it, trying to think of a good question to ask Maria here talking about music and her career and music and things like that. And one thing I don't know is uh, your early influences. What were the, uh, what kind of music did you sort of come up on and like what led you into the songs that you write and sing now? Um, that's a good question. I, it's kind of hard not to make that answer a big uh, winding one, but um, you know, as we all do, our we have our music of our our youth that have sparked, you know, sparked something in us. And yeah. I think for me, that was um, that was a lot of like punk music, which is kind of funny because I play like folk music and uh, kind of a softer country bluegrass vibe but i really i really loved like punk music and started out with that and and i think that kind of led naturally into like the outlaw country music scene which was like you know feeling like kind of not always perfectly fitting in then that's why that kind of music just appealed to me okay. uh, um and uh and thus leading into kind of the outlaw country and and um music in general you know like being an artist being a yeah. music is kind of being on at least how it is in, uh, these days it's like being on the fringe and be accepting and and celebrating that weirdness sure. so what was one of those bridges from punk to the sort of folk stuff for you i seriously think i heard like a mandolin in a green day song once and i was like that's different <laughs> How funny! I kid you not. That's well. The story a lot of enough. a lot of rockers come from like rock stuff early on into traditional music and folk music, you know. And that's kind of been yeah. That's you know, and Jerry, Jerry and Gene, you know, that's I think that's been one of the progressions of folk music for our generation mm -hmm. is that you know folks are folks come out of these really diverse scenes into into finding the singer songwriter stuff again, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be something like that, like a, an, an instrument in a song, in, in a song that you hear and suddenly your world's just opened up to some new possibility, you know? So. Yeah. I wonder, you just had me thinking, let me just butt in with this one question. It, it got me to thinking the music industry used, at least when I was growing up was either, Nashville, Detroit, LA, you know, that was the genre, but there were major music companies mm -hmm. that owned the business. 
Yeah. And they would decide, they own the labels, and they would decide who the next star will be. Yeah. Well, now that we have social media, all of a sudden we have the democratization of music, where suddenly you don't need a major label yeah. to, to get known. Even with the television shows like America's Got Talent or American Idol, where now it's people, the masses, deciding who the next stars are going to be, not some executives yeah. sitting yeah. around a, you know, an oak table in Nashville. And, and I just wonder, that's why we're starting to see singer-songwriters again. Yeah. We're starting to see individual expression. Yeah, and if, if I may, um, just even the celebration of in, indie, independent music artists releasing yeah. their own stuff. And I mean, this may or may not, I mean, you know, you you all out there may or may not agree with me with this example, but I think Billie Eilish is a good example because she and her brother made yeah. those first few, you know, the first few uh, sounds that came, Absolutely. you know, put, they put online was, was in their bed, you know, or, you know, in his basement yeah. and, and he produced it and, and it was just a brother and sister duo. And now she's like one of the biggest biggest like you know pop stars out there but she's but the perfect way, example of what yeah. jerry was making she came up that way she just yeah. she just did her deal in her home they did yeah put yeah. it out and it exploded versus yeah. having some suit you know saying it's going to be this or this person or that person she's yeah. a great example now there is a downside with all of that uh, oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off maria um no no it's yeah. like, but there ahead. is a just quickly to sort of see the other side of that you know there is a downside in that um it's it's so flooded with anyone who's able to get their hands on even the minimal technology yeah. um yeah. and and so it's this weird kind of, it's this weird kind of blend of industry and independent is what seems to be making it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, being able to create a quality product yourself and then get, get someone's attention that can help you kind of reach those larger platforms. So, yeah, but you know, if you go back, if you go back to the Grateful Dead, early Grateful Dead stuff. And even in, yeah, well, I mean, Grateful Dead, was, they were years ago because then people started even dying. Their mm -hmm. music uh, from a technical point of view and David Prusa, our producer, probably has an opinion on this because this is his field. It really sucked when they did all those bootleg things at those yeah. concerts. The, the audio, well, but they let people the do that. They let people, yeah, they, they let people just pan their own mics, and some of them are good, and deal. some of them are super shitty. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and and yet, and yet, nobody seemed to care. People still wanted to hear it and share them and buy them. And that's the vibe. That. Yeah. That's the vibe. Yeah, man. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, well, Maria. Um, so, what song are you going to sing for us here tonight? Let's uh, let's get into your music right now. What's going on? Um, yeah. So. Oh, I not that one. Don't listen to him. With this, yeah, don't listen to him. <laughs> well, I figured with this, and I, I need to. Um, I guess you know, make sure that it's okay. But I figured I would uh, kind of throw up one of one of my uh, my music videos that I had come out absolutely no oh, yeah i, I don't sure. know if you've done this yet but it was um it's a song that i've played before for you all but it's like the kind of 
produced and then you skip you guys get to see like the music video um Perfect. and so those who have those who have heard it before you'll be hearing it again but um those who are tuning in visually it's kind of an incentive to tune in visually uh you guys can see the music video hopefully now here's how what maria here's how we'll have to do that we're gonna yeah. hear we're gonna hear the audio of it now but you're okay. you're if you communicate with me, send me uh, a file of that. That'll go on our website. Yeah. We'll sort of call that out on the website yeah. to both hear it and see it. And that'll be separate from this episode. So on this episode, people will hear the audio. But if they go to the website cool. in a few days, you'll be able to both see it and hear it. So that's cool. Good right. idea. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this it's the uh, self-titled track "Strings on My Guitar." Strings on my guitar. What's up with that? I love that song yeah what's up with that what's the message of that song that's my favorite song oh the message is it's definitely more of a silly uh (laughs) it's like you're talking i'm talking to someone like i love you for this reason i love you for this reason but truly honey you'll never be the strings Uh, all right all right well folks so (laughs) just kind of like you know all right so it's coming at you right now so folks uh listening on the podcast you're about to hear strings on my guitar and then tune in on the website and you can catch the music video here we go maria corelli strings on my guitar Cocaine in this world could do you in 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was Maria Corelli's Strings on My Guitar. That's off of the self-titled, or the, the same titled album, correct? Is that, it, Strings on My Guitar is the name correct. of the album? Hey, hey by the way, Casey, yeah. oh, when, yeah. I, when, I, when I first heard that song, because I have heard it before, it, it's real, that's a clever song. Oh, it's good, it's clever. That's a clever oh, song. Yeah. That's, it's that's very country cool. clever, you know. It's got you those, got it. It's got those great little couplets. Because it's, oh, yeah, it's the truth. That, that's what I always say about country. <laughs> yeah. Three chords in the truth. Yeah. And it's fun. Three it chords in the truth. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. that's great. All right. All right. So, uh, folks, let's wrap it up. Uh, Maria, tell us where we can find your music if we're listening on the podcast here. Yeah. So, uh, you can find me wherever you listen to music Apple, Pandora, Spotify, YouTube, truly anywhere, iTunes. Yeah. Um, and then my website is www.mariacarellimusic.com and Corelli is two R's and two L's. So it's C-A-R-R-E-L-L-I. And then, um, and then, you know, if you want to kind of check up on what I'm doing now, check out my Facebook and my Instagram and on Instagram, I am still doing those Corona Chronicles. Yeah. So they're little <laughs> teeny, teeny, tiny snippets of songs that I'll, if you donate any amount, I will uh, uh, sing you a little song, make you a little theme song, or some people have me write little songs about their partners and whatnot. So very clever. That's Maria it's Very creative. Very creative. Yeah, creative. So yeah very creative. Very <laughs> So, Good folks, job. go find her on all of the uh, social media Maria Corelli, double R, double L, Maria Corelli. Uh, yeah. so. all right well folks uh we're gonna have maria and jerry take us out on down by the riverside uh sing along at home and uh we'll see you next week all right so it's uh down by the riverside gene jerry maria it's great to see y'all thanks for having me on Likewise, see you guys next week all see you guys right, next here week. we go take us out Dave. Springer.com. Down by the riverside.